0: We're here on a Monday night speaking with Ryan Cousineau from Escape Velocity and we're finding out about the upcoming spring race season. Ryan, what's your role in the club? Well, um, uh, I I joke that my title is Other Duties as
1: Needed, but uh, I think technically I play the job of uh, of, uh, uh, race uh, director uh, at the spring series. So my partner in crime and all this stuff is a guy named Stuart Lynn. He's another longtime club member within Escape Velocity. We're both also directors of the club, but uh, uh, he's the race organizer, I'm the race director, and together the two of us spearhead uh, this, this rather crazy thing that is the long-running spring series.
0: Now, speaking of the long-running spring series, I've been doing some promotions for your spring series already, and I was saying that the spring series started about the time that the pterodactyls were just being phased <laughs> out. Uh, any idea how long it actually has been running? Oh, you've, you've, you've caught me... Uh, un- unprepared, which is to
1: say that I know that it was running before I joined the club, which was in '03. but I want to say it was uh, late 90s, early 2000s it started. Um, I know that Jeremy's story began the series uh, when he was running races for the club, uh, a long standing coach within the uh, community who uh, died a few years ago and is much missed, but uh, he was one of the founding forces behind the spring series races way back then. I believe the, the legend is that it was basically created because they needed, uh, in, its, in its first incarnation, because the Symmetric cycling team needed a spring training series. But ever since then, it has been a long-standing spring training series. And that's what it serves for a lot of the local riders, although it's certainly competitive enough, and nowadays it's a points-bearing race, that you'll see a lot of people for whom this is a serious set of races that they're genuinely focusing on throughout their season.
0: And this series has been running for a long time, and it certainly has a lot of popularity. I was here in BC, moved from Alberta, and within nine months, I had heard of the series, and by 14 months, I had been part of it. So the spring series itself, why, why did this thing exist? You said a bit earlier on mm-hmm. it was a kind of a practice session for the Symmetrics team out of mm-hmm. Langley. What does it become now?
1: Well, nowadays, like I say, it's... A, it's Honestly, it's a core of the of the local racing scene, which is to say that there's lots of big summer races that aren't the spring series. But what this is, is we're going to lay down, I think this year we've got uh, eight race dates on the schedule that are spring series dates, including a stage race. And collectively, those are not only a preparation for the rest of the season, but they're also um, just a major chunk of road racing at a time when you can get that and at a time when it's turned out to be very popular, um, we're as surprised as anybody that you can run a series like this in March and get as much attendance as you can. But it's, it's like by the time winter ends, everybody's raring to go and jump into the season. So we get so many participants and uh, I'm sure that that's exactly what we're going to see
0: this year as well. Putting on these races takes a a fair bit of work, dedication, and organization. Where do the funds go from the Spring Series?
1: Well, the Spring Series is largely a fundraiser for Escape Velocities programs. And when you're talking about Escape Velocities programs, what that means is the Devo Cannondale program. So we're incredibly proud of what we've accomplished there. We've got one of the best uh, youth development programs in the country so the devo program starts out with kids i believe as young as 13 and um, with the cannondale program for the more senior juniors uh, it uh, goes all the way to age 18 or 19 now and um, that's all being run by our uh, new uh, our new uh, program director this year tim off. So uh, I can tell you what it goes to because I know that Tim has a much nicer van than I do <laughs> and uh, for, for running those kids around. But um, it's the program development and the coaching and the ability to get out to, uh, to other bike races and the equipment needed to do all of this. And that's a huge chunk of what um, the race funding and honestly the sponsorship for the whole club
0: goes back into. And do you have some rising stars on the horizon or some people who are already rising to prominence at the national level? I think there's only a few
1: national champions on our Devo program. Only a few. <laughs> and, um,
0: I know that we sent
1: a couple of kids, and, uh, you know, the, the problem is I'm going to name a few, and I'm going to miss a few. Mm. Uh, young Quinn story went out to nationals for one or two sports. Um, uh, I've been super impressed by uh, uh, Lily and Susanna ush who are uh, both young members of the club that have come up. Um, there's we're starting to see graduates out of the program as well. So it's guys like uh, Aiden Caves who's racing at a national level who came out of the program some years ago. Uh, we've got young Michael Mead who's just joined our uh, adult program or adult team for the first year, and we're pretty excited about that. Um, we're seeing actually something even more exciting than a lot of these kids in a way, which is the uh, second generation members. So now we've got guys like Duncan Steele who is. Uh, uh, a former Devo went away from the sport for a while and now has come back and is very active within the club um, and serves on the executive of the club. And that, in a way, is even more gratifying to us to, than um, seeing individuals who are, you know, getting to their performance goals. But that said, there's champions in, in that youth group, in that youth program. And yeah.
0: you're creating the next level the next generation of cycling organizers volunteers so you're already yeah. laying the the floor work for the infrastructure when you're ready to uh, hang it up or <laughs> perhaps take another role in the club
1: oh yeah um you know that continuity yes part of the devo program is it's great when we see kids coming back into it and obviously that's not why anybody gets into devo and they want they, want, they, join, they join Devo because they want to go fast, <laughs> and, and a lot of them do go very fast. I mean, I don't know if you know about a young kid named Cody Scott, but he is just destroying cyclocross. Hmm. I mean, this is a kid who has turned, I think, 60 15, and he's uh, like top five in provincial cyclocross. Oh, my something. goodness. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. So, a bright future for Cody. I think so, but like I say, you could just go through name after name. There's so many kids who are doing such impressive stuff that I'm I'm leaving out more more of our of our Devos and Cannondale racers than I'm than I'm naming. So, uh, my apologies, kids, <laughs> to all the ones of
0: you that didn't get mentioned that didn't get name checked here tonight. That's my fault. <laughs> so in addition to the up-and-coming youngsters um what sorts of people race these things Uh, a lot of old guys Um, (laughs) uh, we
1: were thanks to uh thanks to some support from uh, la beachy cleta we actually do have a uh, masters uh, race category and that has been very popular for the guys who can do it i mean you know what the demographics of cycling look like But the reality is that we have a really vibrant uh, women's participation. I'm quite impressed by how that's been. Um, There's a couple of clubs uh, that have really stepped up over the last four or five years in terms of developing the women's side of the sport. And we see those women out at the Spring Series, and they get really good racing. Um, We see young kids, of course, our own Devo program and other juniors that come through it. Um, And at the upper echelons, you definitely see the young guns. I mean, we've got teams like Smart Savvy and Red Truck and Langlois Brown. And uh, Hugh Dog are all represented, and they're all first-rate teams. We get a little bit of American participation, and every so often we'll see a visiting pro show up and, uh,
0: you know, teach the field how it's done. Awe <laughs> ah, inspiring when that happens. Mm-hmm. If we're speaking to a person now who's either new to the area, the Lower Mainland in BC, or maybe who's been doing some cycling over the winter and has been, you know, paying their dues on the trainer, and would kind of like to get their feet wet in competitive cycling Um, what do they need to know in order to participate in your series
1: okay it's it's really easy and we've tried to make it even easier the the steps if you feel like you're you're ready for the next
0: level are
1: get your racing license from cycling bc now you say
0: get a license, does a person have to pass a test? Is there any credential that has to be achieved?
1: Nope, just just need a pulse. Uh, <laughs> a pulse and yeah. a
0: wallet. So
1: for for our races here, uh, when you're doing spring series and other regional level races, you can either get what Cycling BC calls a provincial race license, or you can go for the full UCI uh, race license, which is mostly needed if you're planning to do races out of province into the U.S. or into Alberta, that sort of thing. Um, But for a new racer, either of those licenses will do. But much more importantly, what you want to do now is sign up for a Learn to Race course. In the last couple of years, there's been a bit of a change within the sport, which is that we don't expect people to just sort of jump into a bike race and go. We have a much more structured approach where we teach you what a bike race is and how it works, what the expectations are, and how to do so safely. And that's really the reason for this plan. So Escape Velocity ourselves, we run a a series of uh, learn to race um, courses that will run both just before and then um, at the same time as the spring series this year. So
0: when you say just before, for the sake of our listeners, when would those dates be? Uh, there's a
1: February uh, There's a February date where you can do the entire two-part Learn to Race course in one day. Okay. And the idea is that that's an easy way for you to prepare before doing the spring series. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a couple of others where you can do two dates during the March Uh all of the dates and details are now on our website. So if you go to the website and look for the Learn to Race under our race section,
0: and that's um, EscapeVelocity.ca,
1: EscapeVelocity.bc.ca. We're bc. really old <laughs> Probably easiest mm-hmm. to uh, to just Google Escape okay. Velocity Cycling. We're, we're the big hit. Okay. Um, but um, we're not the only le- learn-to-race program in town. Um, there's a couple of other clubs. I know the Glotman does a learn-to-race, and we do absolutely accept those uh, learn-to-race programs. So as long as you're doing one that's reasonably structured and you know brings you up to speed on the expectations, the etiquette, and the safety uh, aspects of racing a bike on the road, we're ready
0: to go. So you have a pulse. You get your license. You do the learn-to-race series, Uh, What's the next step then? The next step is to sign up
1: for the races.
0: So if this is your first time, I recommend that you do
1: your registration online in advance. Um, These races are really popular and they're getting more popular every year. We were, Stuart and I were taking a hard look at the numbers and I'm sending out the message to everyone I can right now that uh, sign up, pre-register for these races I have a strong belief that we're going to lose the uh, we're we're going to hit the field limits in some of the categories. Amazing. So don't yeah it's we can do about fifty riders per category and we can have about three categories on the road at a time. So you do the math and I think that we're easily peaking out at over two hundred entrants for some of the spring series races and. The way that we're structuring the schedule this year is a little different. So in years past, we've had almost a race almost every weekend in May, in March, March. and even some in, into February. Mm. This year, it's going to be a lot more select. So we're going for our very best courses and we're structuring. So we're going to start off with a double header at the beginning of March, followed by uh, a single day of racing on each of the subsequent weekends. And the one other twist in the tail to look at is we now have... A race on the Good Friday, since it's falling in March, rather than on the Saturday or Sunday. I think that's March 30th
0: this year. Something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. And I also, if memory serves me right, by registering on the internet, you save yourself $10.
1: You do save 10 bucks, And a bit of anxiety
0: of uh, the day of the race, not having to wait in the line. Yeah,
1: gets a little easier when you do all of that. you know, registration on the first day, you're still going to be lining up in order to pick up your numbers, make sure you've got your waiver, get your timing chip. It's all kinds of fun stuff that mm. will make you go through. So, uh, But uh, yeah, making sure that you're pre-registered means that you're actually going to have a race entry when you show up. So that's a nice bit of ease of,
0: peace of mind for One you. less thing to worry about on race day. Exactly. Do you need a fancy bike?
1: I don't think so. Uh, You're going to see a lot of fancy bikes, but you know, it turns out the legs matter way, way more. Um, I wouldn't be out there telling anybody what the baseline bike is that you're supposed to use. I started racing a fair ways ago, but even when I did, it wasn't the done thing to start with a steel bike. But in 2003, I stepped up to my first race and I had a fairly cobbled together 15 year old Pinarello made of lug steel and it was fantastic and in no way did that bike hold me back mm. in terms of my first year's of development. Um, race what you can. Uh, as of this year, um, the Provincial Body Cycling BC has finally come down and said that we're going to allow uh, disc brake bikes in road races and what that means is, yes, you have to have a road bike, but it doesn't have to be uh, a caliper brake road bike. We're seeing a lot of disc brake bikes in the stores now. A lot of people are buying them. We've had people disappointed in the past. But now we can tell you that you show up with a disc-equipped bike, we will not kick you out of the race. You're welcome.
0: Good to hear. and uh, Good for the bike shops to hear that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a few other things to keep in mind when you are bringing your bike to the race, especially for the newer people. Mm-hmm. Two ideal things. Make sure you've trained on it. Make sure <laughs> this thing fits. Make sure the thing is safe. Yeah. I mean, you, you should be good to go.
1: Yeah, I don't... I don't know how to tell you that, but yeah, make sure your bike is right. It does have to be a road bike. If you were training with fenders over the winter, take off your fenders, except for if you've got a little, uh, if you've got a little uh, uh, seat fender, like an ass saver or something, you can absolutely use those. Um, but a full fender, definitely not, or a, you know, a larger fender. And yeah, just make sure your road bike is ready for the ride.
0: Now why is it that a person can't have full fenders? Is that a safety issue or it's
1: mostly a safety issue. It's a it's I'm not gonna defend it too aggressively, but it's sort of a broad a broad sense that uh, what do you call it? It's a broad sense. <laughs> We're we're sitting here and my, my rather distracting dog is wandering around and trying to escape the room here. I'm gonna I'm gonna just take a moment to get not a problem.
0: It. So we talked about the fenders, we talked about the road bike, Uh, you don't need to have a super duper brand new one. Um, Let's get back to the races. So you've been with Escape Velocity for quite some time, what are some of the more popular races in the series? over? the past few years that you've seen? It's probably easier to
1: talk about the unpopular races. Oh, do that <laughs> too! Sure. Um, and why? I Well, I have a theory about that, which is we see the popularity of the races have falling. It's a it's a real balance for us because uh, definitely what people love and will actually show up for is the approachable races, which means the flat courses. <laughs> we've got a couple of those. Um, we've got things like the River Road Crit, which will be part of the stage race, and that'll be almost a dead flat race. Hagen Park is, I think, the first race weekend. And it's a big, flat, square way out in Abbotsford. And uh, that's about the most approachable race you can get in terms of trying one, where you know that you, if you have a, anything remotely resembling fitness, you aren't going to get dropped.
0: And I heard the course is so straightforward, even a triathlete can ride that route. I'm, I'm supposed to say nice <laughs> things about
1: triathletes now. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll find their way on all of our courses. So, <laughs> okay. We, uh, triathletes welcome as long as you do the learn to race or have equivalent road racing experience.
0: Honest. I suppose we should take off our aero bars too.
1: Maybe. Maybe no aero bars. Although, do we do have a time trial? Uh-huh. Uh, so at the uh, the last race of the uh, of this series is the um, is the uh, stage race, and it has a we have a road race, a crit, and a time trial all into all over two days. So. I think we set it up so that the crit is in the morning and the TT is in the afternoon. And yes, of course, you can use a full aero bike for that. Uh, but if you're a really serious triathlete and you actually have a UCI illegal bike, be careful because I'm pretty sure we're going to have a jig there this year if all goes well. And we will expect you to conform to UCI TT rules.
0: So I guess I'm not bringing up my soft ride. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> So you were saying some of the less popular ones, yeah. I know that uh, Armstrong Hill uh, so Armstrong, comes back and... Yeah,
1: it comes and goes. We, we're not quite doing Armstrong this year, but we're doing its uh, very good friend uh, Snake, I believe. I've got to look at the schedule to tell you exactly when that is, but uh, I think it's there somewhere. So Snake is a variation of the Armstrong course. It gets to the same point, but goes up by a different climb uh, out there, just outside of Fort Langley. It's a really fun course if, it's a, if you're a climber. It's a climber's course for sure. But uh, I think that some people are afraid of snakes.
0: <laughs> and, uh, well said. Yeah. Uh,
1: we've got a couple of other courses that are sort of in between those um, those extremes. So we're doing a few versions of the Atomic Road Race course. Uh, we've got about... Um, yeah, but the uh, we've got the Atomic Long Road Race on March 30th. That's another classic. It's... Uh, the Atomic Race course was done by the uh, long-standing Atomic Cycling Club many years ago, and they gave their, their name to that course. Uh, the ones that we do nowadays are slight variants of that, but that is a super selective course. In its heavy-duty versions, that could be a world championship mm. course. Uh, all you'd have to do is add a few more cars to the caravan. Okay, It's, it's that hard and that selective, but it's it's also beautiful. It's a big course. I think the Atomic Long version is about uh, 10 to 12k long, and it's got everything lots of climbs, lots of uh, exposure to the wind, just classic early,
0: early season course. All it's missing is the cobbles? Yeah, I don't have any cobbles on that course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about you, Ryan. Um, originally from the Burnaby area, how long have you been cycling?
1: Um, I started, well, I, 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 cycled as a child, but, um, I got seriously back into cycling around about 2001 when I was starting as a commuter and I did my first, uh, bike race, I think in 2003, at least on the road. I joined Escape Velocity that year. So I've been a member since then. And what I like to tell the kids in our Devo program is that I've been bad at bike racing longer than many of them have been bike racing at all.
0: <laughs> Tell us about your favorite cycling routes in the Fraser Valley, or for that matter, the the Lower Mainland. You yeah. know the roads quite well, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't ride as much as I should. <coughs> I've got, I've got a few favorite routes and there's some some classic stuff I've done out there. Uh, I do love me some of the the roads out in the in the Maple Ridge area and the Pitt Meadows area. We can get onto some of the gravel. Um, I think I have a lot of fun with uh, some of the roads around Fort Langley. I'm pretty fond of uh, just some of the easy riding you get uh, near uh, Alder Acres Farm. They're just—I uh, I mention Alder Acres because we use them as a base of operations for a couple of our races. They've been very good to us over the years. But uh, some nice, uh, nice, easy-going roads, and sometimes I get a chance to to ride out there.
0: So those roads are flat. However, one of Ryan's claims to fame—if you've ever seen it—is <laughs> we have a video of Ryan doing which I believe was for a charity
1: yeah what it was is uh,
0: Brand- my- Brandon I- this question's for you <laughs> I- oh,
1: Brandon! <laughs> I'm, I'm so jealous that Brandon beat me onto this podcast oh, <laughs> oh Brandon Jones I love that guy I'm uh, so excited I'll get to see him again when mm-hmm. we start the spring series he's he's, he's such a ball of energy uh, so Yes, somebody the was Oxford shooting, Climb. Somebody was shooting their mouth off. Hey, Ryan, uh, I, last year I gained a bit of a reputation for doing stunts on movies. It's a, it's a long story, but uh, I did a few things... Uh, the Cypress Challenge, which you might know about, is a uh, is a, another charity climb that goes up uh, Cypress Mountain. And my buddy Tobin Copley and I, well, we uh, kind of sort of wrote it on um, on Moby's.
0: So, was, for a person who doesn't know, terrible. what is a Moby?
1: Okay, so the Vancouver bike share program is called Moby. They've got uh, this uh, system that's. Uh, forget how exactly it works, but there's the, the Moby Corporation, which I think is a joint venture with the city, but uh, they've got a bunch of bike share stations. So you go up and if you've got a pass or if you've bought a membership, then you can uh, just basically uh, grab a bike from the rack, ride it around for half an hour to an hour, depending on your membership, and then put it back into another rack and go. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are actually pretty nicely turned out bikes. They've got drum brakes. They're like a, just a nice, super solid Dutch city bike. They. You know, drum brakes, uh, seven speeds with a hub gear system, um, fenders, little basket up front for your baguettes or your bottle of wine. A little, little bit heavy? They might be about 47 pounds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're not, not the first choice as a hill climbing bicycle, but they are geared low, which is nice.
0: And so, Oxford Street is not flat. It's one of the most vicious, steepest, awe-inspiring, yeah. fear-inspiring pieces of pavement in the lower mainland.
1: Yeah, so a guy called Graham Clark uh, knew about my reputation with Mobies, and he saw a guy who I think it was a the Dirty Dozen um, in Philadelphia has a has a has is a challenge where you ride up 12, uh, 12 hill the twelve steep hills in Philly, and a guy did it on a share bike over there, and that was pretty funny. And one of the hills there is very short and very steep, and so this guy just you know barely made it. And took a couple tries, blah blah blah, and he said you should do uh, Oxford Street and White Rock. It's just <laughs> like that, and I'm like. You donate five hundred dollars to my favorite charity. Ah. I will totally do that ride. And my mistake was I worked in the public sector. I thought five hundred dollars mm-hmm. was a lot of money. Uh
0: huh.
1: Next message on that thread is done. Check the account. Wow. Went, oh, okay, so I'm uh, riding up uh, Oxford Street on a moby.
0: And you had some special uniform or outfit, I believe.
1: Well, I, I did. I did have an aerodynamic helmet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the folks at Moby have been very good to us about this stuff. Uh, my friends and I have pulled a few other shenanigans with their bikes. We may have possibly kind of entered the venue park cyclocross race on Moby's. Oh, yes. I can't confirm or deny that. Okay. So they sent us a nice email at some point going, look, the things you do are really neat. You know, technically they violate our terms of service. If you do anything more like this, could you kind of you know tell us which bikes you use so we can make sure they're still safe to ride? No safety concerns. And, uh, mm-hmm. and actually, for the for the uh, for this ride, they also offered to to cover our overage fee uh, oh. for the for the Oxford Street ride <laughs> since it was for charity. So uh, thanks to the uh, folks at uh, at the Moby System for being such good sports. But uh, if you're comparing times, I, I did manage to climb the hill in seven minutes. You managed to do this thing. Yes. Flat yeah. pedals. Yeah, flat pedals. So I've got some interesting technical information because I know I know your your listeners are probably all thinking, okay. So what does it mean to be the guy who's doing time attacks on a Moby? Like, how <laughs> do I learn the secrets of great Moby climbing? <laughs> so they're actually geared pretty low. That's not the worst problem. I didn't like run out of uh, out of gas. The problem is I'm not very fit, and <laughs> the bike's really heavy. Mm-hmm. So I basically went anaerobic during the effort, stayed anaerobic, and then kind of like stop being able to pedal but we had a couple devos there so Quinn and his friend Sean Richardson were helping to push me uh, back to a start and I think <laughs> I only needed about three short pushes before ah. I, I got going again and I think that Strava recorded my rolling time as seven minutes and something mm. so for two glorious weeks that was the best time of 2018 uh. on Oxford Street then Kyle Bukowski came along and beat me by about five minutes. Five minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Goodness. So, thanks, Kyle. <laughs> uh, I'll remember this. It's, uh, <laughs> Kyle's a, a good kid who, uh, who's uh, been part of the local scene for many years, and uh, he's, a, he's a top local racer.
0: A couple of questions to uh, round out the interview, Ryan. So, you skillfully eluded one of my questions as to uh, your favorite riding routes, but let's mm-hmm. put this on you a bit more directly. Um, who would be one of your favorite riding partners, uh, either with the club or not, and tell us why?
1: Uh, you know what? Uh, there's, there's a bunch of people I love riding with in the club. Um, they, they know that I don't get out on the club rides often enough anymore for a lot of reasons, but you know, I've been riding with guys like Joe Tam and, uh, and, uh, and Alan and Alan, uh, Walrond and uh, Schroeder, for, for years and years. But probably the guys I've done the most riding with lately would be uh, the two Tobins. So it's two guys, Tobin Henderson and Tobin Copley. And uh, uh, Tobin Henderson's pretty low key in the local scene, but he's helping me fix up a motorcycle, so I gotta love him for that. And he's a good friend of mine. And Tobin Copley is uh, is probably pretty well known. He's been riding far longer than I have. He started as a junior, and he's older than me even. Um, He's the organizer of our donkey cross race. Donkey and, cross. Yep, our <laughs> cyclocross race in the fall. So named because one of Tobin's family members owns a donkey, and the donkey, a very good-natured little guy, has been a regular attendee of the race. And uh-huh. Everybody loves coming out and petting the donkey. <laughs> but uh, Tobin is also, Tobin Hent- Copley has also been my partner in crime in a uh, in a lot of uh, these uh, Moby shenanigans, which I want to make clear except for the Oxford Street thing you're not affiliated with Escape Velocity. Escape Velocity is a good club. They <laughs> they don't do stupid things. They they're good people. Distance
0: yeah. yourself from yeah. Sorry Brian.
1: I I have to offer my apologies to Brian Story our, our long suffering uh, <laughs> club president who's had to put up with me for a terribly long time, but it's his fault cuz he recruited me into the club in the first place. So. As long
0: as we have a scapegoat. There we go. <laughs> or an escape goat. <laughs> Final question. You've done a, let's let's paint the picture. It's a beautiful ride. It's in the month of May. Things are a little bit warm. You're out there on a wonderful day, some nice climbing, say a three-hour bike ride. You pull in, you're done your bike ride, you take off your helmet. What is the beverage of choice for Ryan? Costco
1: scotch. Costco scotch. <laughs> Actually, I got to give a shout out. The last thing I was I was having in a post rideway was probably some nice uh, Four Winds IPA, which is a pretty fine beer, and uh, uh, so I was drinking on Sunday. But no, uh, true story. If you have any friends who are going down to uh, the U.S. and have a Costco membership, uh, they have a uh, uh, an exciting selection of surprisingly good uh, 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 hard liquor. And uh, so I have a I have a brother who lives down there. So one of his presents to me was he. Uh, he brought me back a uh, 1.75 liter bottle of aged scotch. Oh my goodness, that'll,
0: that'll be a pretty intense month, uh, or, or three. <laughs> it,
1: is, it, it, has, uh, it has lasted better part of three months, and it's not done yet, so uh, good on Costco scotch, uh, there you go. That's, uh,
0: well, thank you so much for your time, Ryan.
1: All right, thanks a lot, I've had a lot of fun doing this.